0: Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. We are located in Pewaukee, just north of I-94 between Highway 164 and Highway F in Ridgeview Corporate Park. And I just want to invite everybody to come in and see our new location. We've got 42 acres of beautiful scenery and trees and walking paths, and we'd love to invite you to come in and just stop in and say hi. We're also in the village of White. We're in the Equitable Bank building directly across from Winkies. Everyone knows where that is. We also are really happy that we can service our clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. Visit EllenBecker.com for more details and to put a voice with a face. My guest today is Maya Payne Smart, and I was introduced to her through a friend, uh, Robert Rao, who is the principal at College Prep's Um, school and we were talking about some of the things that I was interested in and learning about education and what's happening in our school system and as we were talking he just looked at me and he said you really have to get in touch with Maya Payne. She wrote this amazing book that really identifies but also I always feel that it's a really tough thing to talk about something that's not working. And sometimes it's opening up Pandora's box. Sometimes, you know, people go, well, now what? And so if I'm going to talk about something, I love to be able to have a solution. And uh, Maya's book, Reading for Our Lives, a literacy, Literacy Action Plan from Birth to Six, is just that. It talks about the things that maybe aren't working, but it's an amazing solution for parents and children to be able to connect together and to have this great start in their life with reading. And so, Maya, thank you so much for being a guest today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm
1: excited to chat about
0: this important community topic. Yes. And I guess I would just like to start by asking you, how did you get involved in this and sort of we're woken up to an issue that faces so many children and so many parents and actually schools within our
1: community. I came to this work as a mother, just as a parent. So my daughter was born 11 years ago. And at that time, we lived in Richmond, Virginia. And I just came across a number of news articles that talked about vast disparities in reading achievement between Black children, white children, and higher socioeconomic children and lower socioeconomic children and so I just really got curious as a parent about how it could be that so many children were labeled as behind when they entered school and it seemed that there must be things that parents could do or should do to nurture literacy that parents weren't taught to do or um, explained about the importance of the things that they could do in the years prior to school and I have a background in journalism, so my key skill set is asking questions until I'm clear on things and getting answers. Maya,
0: with looking at this with your daughter, and your daughter's name is Zora, Zori, Zoe? Zora. Zora. And um, you said she's about 11 years old now. And so when when you realized that there was this disparity in education, how did you research and come up with some of the things that you put into the book that really does and will help parents. And I'm looking at this book and it's, we've got our clients all the time are having grandchildren or children. And in my world, there seems to be a lot of children. I think this is an absolutely fantastic gift to give for parents or to use at a baby shower. I mean, it's just amazing, but how did you come up with all of these ideas and the ability to you know, actually put it down on paper where it's going to have such a a vital impact on our schools, our community, and our families.
1: The, the process of creating the book really emerged pretty gradually. So my initial interest in this was just as a parent being curious and understanding what I personally could do to ensure that my daughter became a skilled, fluent reader. I was an early reader, but because of that, I didn't have any memories of how I was taught or anything that my parents did to help me. So my default was just to kind of research it. So initially it was reading news articles. And then I actually enrolled in a fundamentals of reading instruction course (laughs) that was in a school of education at the university of Virginia. And so my classmates in that course were teachers and they felt like they didn't have all the tools that they needed to teach students in their classrooms. So I thought if teachers feel like they aren't well-equipped to teach reading, what are parents to do? And a lot of that course left me with even more questions because it was focused on kids who were kindergarten and older. But again, these disparities emerge early. So parents needed insights into what to do before the school years. So in that course, I started diving into the endnotes of different research papers and branched out of the discipline of education into neuroscience and psychology and infant learning and all kinds of fields related to get a sense of How babies learn, how toddlers learn, and how parents can support them. So it really was just a a personal curiosity. And then I began writing certain interesting tidbits that I discovered in a blog that I had. And then when COVID started, I had a real sense of urgency around packaging everything into a book so that others could gain the material in an order that's helpful to implement with a child. So I wrote the guide that I didn't have as a parent.
0: When I looked at your book, the very first chapter was Beyond Bedtime Stories, the truth about getting kids ready to read. And I have to say, I thought, boy, I really did read a lot to my kids. And I was a good mom and a good grandma, but just in recent based on your book and another opportunity that I had to go into a kindergarten class and I saw the teacher reading and her inflection and her she didn't just read the book she looked at the page she read the story she says oh look at that ball do you have a ball like that or and she started asking questions and getting the kids curious and It was so much more than just reading the story. It was bringing it to life off the
1: page. And I'm sitting there going, oh my God, I could have done such a better job. I think many parents, when you learn these things, it is exciting on one hand because you can share the information with others. As you mentioned, it can be just a bit of advice that you give to someone, or you can give the book as a gift for a baby shower. But we do have those twinges of, oh, if I had only known it, Sooner, I would have done more of these things, but obviously, your children <laughs> became readers and are thriving. So you <laughs> did you did enough.
0: You <laughs> did enough. Well, I think it's so interesting, though, because statistically, when I look at some of the um, literacy in some of our Milwaukee schools, majority or many, I would say many of the children are reading so far below. The level that would be best for them in order to find success in whatever they're doing, and I think about how important reading is in finding solutions in math and in your whole in your whole world. Um, the things that you have to do and that you can enjoy. And I heard a long time ago, and I actually don't know if it's, if it's true, but I think there's some truth to it, that children are only invested in their education as much as their parents are. And this ability, I mean, I don't think that I ever felt that way. I got my kids to school, and of course, school was very important, but I didn't think it in terms of my attitude towards school. That right. the impact that would be on children. And it is a huge impact. And it's exciting to see the children flourish and enjoy reading or math or enjoy going to school. But if you're struggling and you can't keep up, it's uncomfortable to be in an environment where you feel that you're behind the eight ball all the time.
1: Absolutely. And parents are so critical for directly teaching their children but also just for nurturing curiosity about the world and for introducing vocabulary that they'll need to know in order to understand the things that they read in school once they can sound out words and and make sense of the the text so one of the things i try to emphasize in the book is just that there are there's a, an array of ways that parents can support their kids as readers. So reading to your children is one tool. It's a wonderful tool if you can establish the habit of reading bedtime stories, even if it's just a five minute fairy tale every night right before they go to sleep. But I also try to emphasize that parents play a huge role just by being conversation partners with little ones and being responsive to them and seeing what the kids are interested in, where their eye gaze is going, what they're pointing to and describing the words for all the objects and colors and textures in their environment. Parents are critical, critical vocabulary builders for kids, but we aren't told that. And so many parents, the words that they're sharing with kids are sit down, be quiet, stop that, you know, just in the course of trying to get through a day with a little one. (laughs) And so when we realize we have a job to do as the parents to provide this rich, wonderful language nutrition, then we approach conversations in our days with kids in a different way that really sets them up for success. So what
0: age did you start with your daughter reading to your daughter and, and beyond just Bedtime stories. I mean, the whole concept of being that nourishing parent with words, not just food. I mean, Mm -hmm. you don't think of it that way. You know, we all want to nourish our children, want to nourish our grandchildren. But I guess I always think of it in terms of, boy, we have a great dinner and I'm going to cook a big Sunday brunch or whatever. I don't think of the nourishment as the education piece, but there is such value to nourishing your children in many different ways.
1: So I began reading to my daughter from day one. I, Prior to her being born, had a bookshelf in her nursery and started buying just beautiful children's literature, award-winning picture books. And But what I was drawn to read to her when she was first born was one little um, board book by Jabari Asim called Girl of Mine. And it just had a few sentence in it, sentences in it. And I just loved that book and read it to her over and over again and had memorized it. And of course, she's a little lump. She's not yet able (laughs) to hold her head up or look at the pages. But I felt I was just clinging to this idea that it was really important to establish that happen and read to her. But I didn't know about the really critical importance of talking to her and interpreting her coos and babbles. as She got older as conversation and extending it. The advice that I had heard was narrate your day, if you're walking through the park, describe the blades of grass and the sky, or if you're in the grocery store, talk about the colors and shapes of the fruit. That I didn't get the piece about the importance of her talking, her vocalizations, me pausing and really treating it as a back and forth when she was very young. So that was something I discovered through the research. And I thought more parents should know this instead of us talking at the beast. <laughs> You should be in dialogue with them. Because it's kind of counterintuitive to talk to a little one that's not saying anything back to you in words, but that's how they learn. It does. I mean, that whole idea of pausing and listening
0: and thinking of it in terms of that you're actually communicating with dialogue. You're not just shouting out orders or directions, you're actually listening. And what a beautiful thing for a child to feel that she's being, or he is being heard.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) And these are habits We are thinking primarily about the child and their path to becoming readers and learners, but as parents, we're growing and learning too. (laughs) And so when we start the reading and we start the responsive conversations when they're babies, those habits are well in place by the time they're school-aged and they only get richer and richer, more interesting. They are responding to with words and then you'll wake up one day like I have and you have a middle schooler. And you're having real debates about real world issues. And it's just exciting to see how the conversation changes as the, the parent and the child grow. My guest
0: today is author Maya Payne-Smart. She has a great book, Reading for Our Lives. It's a literacy action plan from birth to six. And I got to tell you, it's a great gift to give a, a new parent, give one of your children, because it really identifies easy steps that you can really make a difference in your child's life. And with that, we will be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellen Becker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. My guest today is Maya Payne Smart. She's got a great book, Reading for Our Lives. And you're probably asking yourselves, I thought I tuned into Money Sense. What does this book have to do with Money Sense? And I really do think it has a lot to do with Money Sense because if you look at the importance of education, you look at our community, you look at These children are our future, and they're the employees that we're all going to be hiring. And to really have this opportunity to learn more about how we can make an impact on our life, I think is really important. And I'm looking and thinking about many of my clients who are retiring, and they're saying, I don't know what to do as the second Thing that I'm going to try and and do in my life that's going to bring me value, or I think of as myself as a grandparent. Um, I have a great granddaughter who is just going to be turning four shortly, and parents who have their children. This is such an important topic because it's something that I don't, I've never heard a lot about, and it was always just reading, kind of to get your kids in bed. It wasn't like really taking it on as a job. This is a job that we can actually take on and give something back to if you're not a parent, you're not a grandparent. There are so many schools, there's so many opportunities. And so I would like to welcome you again, Maya, to the show. And can you talk a little bit about our community and talk as to how can we help and how can we go beyond just the reading for fun?
1: There is a tremendous opportunity for everyone in the community to bolster the reading prospects and and skills of the kids here. And as you mentioned, there's just tremendous return that we'll see on that investment. There are so many articles about kids struggling when they're school-aged. And so kids who can't read well, of course, graduate and become adults who don't read well and aren't able to fill the open job positions in the businesses and corporations in our community. And they become adults who struggle to navigate the healthcare system and read instructions for their prescriptions. And illiterate adults are more likely to be incarcerated and have (laughs) run-ins with the criminal justice system. So it's just this major impact that literacy has on every element of a person's ability to thrive and be a good neighbor and citizen. So we all should be very concerned about this. And the important thing for people to recognize is that we need more people doing more things more consistently, starting earlier in kids' lives to set them up for success. We can't constantly be trying to catch everyone up. We can just have people be on track from the beginning. And so there are so many ways to do that. I think some of it starts with parent education prior to kids being born. So the doctors that women are seeing when they're expecting can start to have these conversations about brain development and language development and how that's connected to literacy development and pediatricians when they're seeing families at those well child visits when the child is 1 week and 4 weeks and all these these intervals of checking in they can provide books and information and get parents aware of the little things they can do easily in everyday life to set their kids up for success But even people who have consumer-facing businesses, laundromats, grocery stores, anyone that has a parent walking through their doors has an opportunity to share information and ideas and tools. One of my favorite examples is a, a laundry literacy coalition that provides books and educational activities and posters with parenting tips related to early learning And it's so powerful because parents are in the laundromat with little ones for two hours every week. (laughs) So they have a captive audience. And so I think that's just one really smart example of how um, someone can be a good corporate citizen citizen by providing these resources wherever people gather. What are
0: some of the hurdles that people face with this, um, with the issue of of literacy and reading and the importance of it. What are some of the things that you've discovered that make it hard for parents to actually, they want their children to have this opportunity? And I would guess some of it is, is if they're not good readers themselves and they don't enjoy it, that it's hard for them to behave, be able to have an impact on their own children.
1: I think the number one issue is ignorance. And so that is part of why I wrote the book And it's ignorance of the the connections between things you do with very young children and their reading outcomes years later. So parents think of reading as something that occurs when the child maybe is entering kindergarten and they think that the teacher can provide everything that that child needs to become a reader. But the reality is that there's so much language development in order for kids to make sense of sentences and paragraphs on a piece of paper, they have to have so much knowledge. They have to have so many words in their bank of vocabulary for anything to make sense. And that's why even after kids learn to sound out words, which most eventually do, they're major, it's a major leap to understand (laughs) Um, paragraphs and books and on the standardized test that kids are expected. So I think the main challenge is parents just don't know. They don't know what they can do with a one-year-old that matters or a two-year-old or a three-year-old. So it's important to affirm parents and encourage parents and let them know that talking is really important. Those back and forth responsive exchanges that we spoke of earlier is critically important for building kids' vocabulary, for building their background knowledge about the world so that they have a shot at understanding all the words they're going to encounter in print
0: it's so much easier to put them in front of an ipad (laughs) and sometimes you know people are just unraveling they're so busy they've got you know so many things to do and take care of a child children what is the impact of kids just sitting in front of a tv or sitting even playing games that's
1: really not reading literacy. Right. It's, it really is uh, devastating for very young children to not have our attention, to not have our responsiveness, to not have the words that we can provide. So oftentimes parents will hand a little one, an educational app or a video, and they think that the child is learning. But as someone said, and I wish I could remember who said it is like, your, your lap is the best app. Like kids need that (laughs) one-on-one back and forth exchange. They need you looking and seeing where their eye gaze is going. So you know what they're interested in. They need you to give them the words to describe their environment. They need our attention more than anything else. And you're right. Parents are stressed. They're overwhelmed. They're trying to make ends meet and navigate all these um, competing demands on their time in any given day. So I like to just preach the message that. Reading, whatever you can do to nurture, nurture your child's language development and literacy development, if you focus just on that, you would be giving your child just the most extraordinary gift. Because once they can read well, they'll be able to navigate all the, the documents and manuals and information that they need to learn whatever, th- whatever they want to learn and thrive.
0: I know in your book, you have a chapter that you talk about five touchstones for parents who dare to teach. And so I think what we'll do is take a break and when we come back. Maybe you can share some of the tips that you have in your book to give my listeners just a feel for what you're talking about. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellen Becker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. This is just a great resource for so many people. If you have friends, if you have your own adult children that have young children, you can tune in to listen to this on go by going to ellenbecker.com, scrolling down to Money Sense, and you'll be able to send this very easily to anyone to listen to the, the show today to get their interest in knowing more about the book. And so I know myself that I'm going to be purchasing a whole bunch of these and having them on hand to give as gifts because I have another book that I use that talks about teaching your children about money. And what a wonderful package to put together for parents because the truth of it is, when we're young, we don't even know what questions to, to ask. And so my guest today is my Maya Payne Smart, and she wrote this wonderful book, Reading for Our Lives. And before we took the break, we talked about, you know, what are some of the tips that parents can use or grandparents can use? Because we find that in this day and age, there's so many aunts and uncles, in particular grandparents, that are helping their kids out by providing daycare type services. So you've got this audience of these great children that you love dearly that you can,
1: you know, share this gift with. Yes, it's wonderful. There are so many things that parents, grandparents, anyone who has interaction with children that they can do easily in the course of everyday life without any special materials or equipment. So I try to emphasize those those simple things that can become habits and rituals. So it's just a natural part of how you relate to a child. But I always give people the acronym TALK and the T is for take turns to remind us to, to be in dialogue and back and forth conversation with the little ones, even before they're responding in words and sentences. And then the A is to ask questions Because again, there's so much power and development for the child when we pause and give them space to think and formulate a response and participate in the conversation. The L is for labeling and pointing. Again, we're trying to introduce words, colors, shapes, numbers. You talked about... money management and and money advice as kids grow but all that starts with language around comparing larger and smaller and sort of the the math vocabulary that we introduce when even when they're toddlers. So everything has something that precedes it and so I just love to encourage people to to think younger and younger. Um, with these lessons and also for parents to feel empowered that they they are teachers even if it doesn't look like a classroom there's no chalkboard or or lecture and then the k in that acronym is just keep the conversation going so that's one of my favorite things that i'd like to remind people to do and it could be on any subject when you were talking it what came
0: to my mind was I remember when my kids would come home from school and I'd ask them a question, they'd give me a yes or a no. And it was really hard to start that conversation. And I wonder if that comes from a long legacy throughout their lives of we're not really in conversation as they're early on, there may be more yes or no answers. And so this whole idea that you're talking about of starting very young to set the stage for having those
1: conversations through their lives. Absolutely. And then you, you get, when it's on your radar or your, your mind as a parent to ask questions, your questions get better over time and you have to get more creative. <laughs> <in different, laughs> also, depending on the the personality of your child and what else is going on in their social life, which questions will get a response. But my daughter is now a middle schooler. So if I ask her how her day was fun, like what'd you do? <laughs> uh, So I am getting the one word questions, but if I share something from my day and ask her opinion or how she might've responded to a situation or a question, then she's, then she's all in because she feels like, um, she's on my level and I'm really seeking her advice in this, you know, adult issue or whatever it is. So we find over time when we're, when we kind of train ourselves to engage in conversation, we find different entry points to get into the conversation. And so then after uh, the the dialogue unfolds, eventually she may veer into what happened, what I was really interested in, how her day went, and what, what happened with the math test or with the friend during recess.
0: When I just happened to be looking in, in your book and at the... Um... In the beginning here it says word wisdom how to spell your way to better reading and i remember as a kid my mother would be ironing and she would have the flashcards. <laughs> it's so vivid in my mind that that was one of the ways that she helped and the multiplication tables <laughs> was so you can really be teaching your children all day
1: you can every day it- with whatever you're doing absolutely it just has to be a part of your mindset to seek out those opportunities i was reading i encourage people to do a lot of nursery rhymes it helps kids raise awareness of the sounds within words and rhyming and the um like peter piper picked a peck of pickled peppers and that you're popping that p sound and kids are learning to distinguish initial sounds and ending sounds and all those sounds in the middle and one mom I spoke with, or I read about this, used a diaper changing pad that had illustrations from nursery rhymes on it. So every time she changed a diaper, there was that prompt to say a nursery rhyme to introduce you know, that language to your child. So a lot of this is just about reminding ourselves. <laughs> Some people have table topics on the dinner table to, with interesting questions to promote conversation over a meal. What does Zora think about your book? She is really interesting. <laughs> because she saw so much of the making of it because we were all quarantined together in the house. <laughs> and so she had heard me talking about writing a book prior to that. And so she wondered, would I, would I really do it? Because she saw me volunteering and having a number of different roles in the community and different projects I was working on. So I was really proud to to get it done and to have my daughter see that model of me prioritizing something that I thought was big and important and could help a lot of people. So she got to, to witness me say no to a lot of things and focus on this one thing, see it through. She came to the book launch. She knows she's acknowledged on the, acknowledged the book is dedicated to her. She's, you know, seen some of my book signings and appearances. So it's really been uh, one of my proudest achievements as a mom to have done this with her watching. So now she knows she can, without a doubt, write a book. <laughs> she can go on a book tour and do media and whatever. It's I'm really proud of, of setting that example for her. She does not, because of the subject matter of it, she doesn't want to talk a lot with me about books. So she gets her book recommendations from the school librarian and her English teacher. And so I'm hoping at some point in high school, she'll she'll come back around and take my, my reading recommendations. But she's like, oh, mom, you know.
0: Yes. when When you think about your book, where do you hope this book goes? Where do you think the largest impact will be made? Is this something that you would like to see in schools
1: or teachers or... Where where is your vision? My vision is really in this this parent space. I think the reading challenges that we're seeing as a nation are the result of um, insufficient reading instruction in schools. Teachers aren't prepared well enough to teach reading and to catch kids up when they went when they are behind. They don't have the curriculum and resources and ongoing professional development and su- support that they need at scale <laughs> to do their work within the school context. But even if kids had the best reading teachers ever, when they got to kindergarten, there's a certain foundation that you need to be able to take advantage of group classroom instruction. So I think there's just incredible untapped potential for parents to build kids' vocabulary, teach them letters, introduce them to print, how books work, how the pages turn, that text runs from left to right and top to bottom. So my big vision is for enough people to read the book <laughs> that we get to this tipping point where it's just common knowledge that from day one you should be not only reading with your child but talking to your child and listening to their cues and babbles so that that back and forth language piece and then i want it to get to a tipping point where parents feel really confident and comfortable talking about letters talking about print bringing kids attention to the lines, dots, and curves, because it makes a big difference how many letters kids can recognize when they enter kindergarten. We know how positively correlated that is with reading performance down the road. So I wanna get to that tipping point where enough people are knowledgeable, enough that they can tell other people, and then they can go to work and tell their employer, oh, our parent, our employee resource group should have a workshop about this or we should support this nonprofit tutoring initiative or so i just want people to kind of i want to step up that base level of knowledge and understanding about the connection between early learning and these dismal reading achievement scores that we have <laughs> in the elementary school so that we have a whole community that's invested in kids getting what they need in the earliest years when it the impact is just it's so much easier to get it right in the first place than to try to tutor and remediate everyone when they're already several years behind.
0: One of the things, Maya, that I heard you say early on that really caught my attention was the idea of physicians, OBGYNs, hospitals, people who are really dealing with the parent the in, before the baby's even born, and being able to have them make time because everybody's busy, you know how that is, but to actually have part of what they do when they talk about how important it is that they have the right formula and the the, the importance of how much weight they should be gaining and all of those things as a, a, a young child, to be able to literally give this book to that parent and say, this is really an important thing to really understand right out of the womb to (laughs) have this understanding because parents are so busy and nobody, unless we're going to give it as a gift, it's hard to get something like that into someone's hands. But if you've got the people who are really touching them at that
1: very beginning stage, what an absolutely amazing gift that would be. I think you're right. That pediatrician is sitting with that mom at that six week visit And they can talk about developmental milestones and what's happening with that child's language development in their brain and then they can say when i see you again at the three-month visit or whatever the interval is um you know these are some of the things we can look forward to and between now and then you should read you know this board book or talk to them in this way and do this thing so i think that kind of those consistent Touch points over time with um, a trusted person in your life, your pediatrician is phenomenal. I think our libraries are underutilized. I think families can really benefit from story time. A lot of I do professional development training for librarians as well. And there are some incredible story times happening (laughs) in libraries across the country where they're they're reading the story, but they're also modeling for the parent how to engage the child at that age and what sorts of books kids find most interesting when they're this age or that age. And then even reference librarians can direct you to resources you need when you have questions about developmental milestones or anything. Their their job, their bread and butter is directing you to information and resources. So we should all take advantage of that more as well. When I remember, and this is a really long time ago, (laughs) picking
0: my children to the pediatrician we would sit in the waiting room with nothing to do, waiting um, to see the doctor. I can envision that all of these offices now have um, TVs. Some of them have like they're swimming (laughs) on them and different things. What a beautiful gift if you were on there with some kind of um, a message that was just running, that parents could look at it with tips on reading and have it in pediatrician's offices. I mean, it's an inexpensive way and different places, the hospital where children are, that they can have this impact. Because honestly, I believe if every parent had an idea of how to do it, they would want to do it. We're always, we're interested in how fast is my child walking? Are they crawling on time? Are they saying their first word? When did they roll over? Well, how about when did they start to hear and to be curious and want to communicate with me through noises or words and to be able to understand that that progress is just as important as walking, crawling, using their own spoon to get to the things that they really want. I I can see it, Maya. I can see it. My guest today is Maya Payne Smart. She's got a great book, Reading for Our Lives. When we come back, we'll have some more tips and a way that you can get in touch with her. And I know she has a website. It's MayaSmart.com. And uh, lots of good stuff there. So we'll be right back. Drive safely, Wisconsin. Highway workers are out on the road. They do it to better serve you. And just like you, they want to get home safely at the end of a hard day's work. When driving, all of us have a chance to set the right example. Be
1: patient. Put down the phone. Never text and drive. Slow down and move over if possible to give workers a little extra room. Work zone safety.
0: It's everyone's responsibility.
1: Sponsored by the Wisconsin DOT.
0: Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellen Becker. I'm the founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. My guest today is author Maya Payne Smart. Really a great book, Reading for Our Lives. And this is actually something that's really dear to my heart. I haven't talked a lot about it on the radio yet, but started. Um, a foundation called pillow with wings and just recently another, um, nonprofit called, um, connect nourish and grow. And the reason I started the connect nourish and grow was because I was doing one of my pillow with wings event. And I asked the principal, could you please, I know you're going to give me feedback and the teachers are going to give me feedback, but really to get proof of concept, I need to get feedback from the parents. Did it make an impression? Could they notice a difference at home? Did they ask questions? And he literally looked at me and said, Karen, I could could never get to that. I'm lucky if I can get 25 to 30% of the parents to come in for teachers conferences. And when I heard that, I slept on it for a while. And I realized that I needed to do something to help modify that statistic and to change that statistic, which is when um, Rob Rao, who is the um, principal of college prep school recommended that I reach out to Maya to find out what she's doing and the impact that she's having. Because what I realized is if the parents aren't, aren't engaged with the school and if they're not engaged with the child, the child loses total interest in school and in learning, and they also lose interest and don't often have the ability to to dream. What does the rest of my life look like? What does the next year look like or two years? And so reading becomes a cornerstone, a pillar for every child to succeed and to feel comfortable and to be empowered to literally be the best that they can be. And I think your book really does address that and how to get to these parents and and grandparents and and caregivers to recognize what an important piece this is to raising a child.
1: You're right. It is incredibly challenging to get parents' attention these days. (laughs) There's just so much going on. I've done um, family literacy nights and other events at school and that promotional piece is so important and we also have to have flexibility about how we deliver information and understand that oftentimes it just like any other relationship it takes time (laughs) and so there are some parents who will pick up a 240 page book read it from cover to cover Get their key, you know, five to seven nuggets, implement away, and and be very thrilled with the investment of time in reading. There are other parents who'll listen to you the audiobook version over several days as they're commuting to and from work or running errands, and they'll pick up things that way. There are others who will just get a nugget off social media, and that may be all they take with them for for months, and then they'll build on that later. So. It, it really is a challenge to get parents' attention with um, the way media has evolved and everyone's on their phones. And But I don't think that it is um, a lack of willingness to do what they can for their kids. I think it really is that they're focused on something else they're doing for their kids. In some cases, they're focused on keeping the lights on or getting groceries or you know, getting securing their home, making sure their kids are safe and secure. So it's just that parents have a thousand things to do to care for and love and support their children. And so sometimes when we approach them and try to get them to show up for programs or learn, it just feels like thing 1,015 to them. <laughs> so I think that's why the the clarity and, and conciseness with which we can communicate some of these ideas is so important. And I think it's really compelling to many parents to hear that if you focus on literacy, if you focus... <laughs> on these conversations and reading to your child daily and staying in touch with their school to get a feel for how they're developing, that there is is nothing um, more powerful that you can do to set them up for success in life. If they can read, they can do anything.
0: I think that shame is a big thing within our community and often with parents. And I certainly have looked back and thought to myself, oh, I wish I'd have done that differently, or I could have done that differently. Hindsight, you know, looking in the rearview mirror. And I do know that I've been really trying to talk to a lot of parents and get more information so I can understand this issue. And so often a parent will say, I never had any of that it's hard for a parent to know what to ask or what to do when they weren't exposed to that themselves at all. And and they don't have a reference to it. And often they feel shame around the fact that, that they can't maybe read the way they want, or they don't have the interest, or they can't answer the questions on homework. I mean, sometimes parents just like are bombarded with getting kids to soccer games and trying to get them into other things, plus doing homework and and getting things done. And shame enters, I think, the conversation quite a bit. And I I guess I would just ask you, do you have a tip for parents who this is foreign to them and and they just don't know how to get started? They understand what you're saying is important, but they're just not sure how to implement that.
1: I would say to start with that, that talk acronym that we mentioned earlier, Every parent, even those who aren't strong, skilled, or fluent readers themselves, can talk to their child. Every parent knows more words <laughs> than their child and knows more about the world and can describe things and give labels to things and feel good about those conversations and listening to them, taking turns and asking questions. And I think that is the, the foundation and then building that habit. And then start with a, a five minute fairy tale book or some collections of short stories just again to build that habit of them seeing you valuing reading take them to the library connect with others in the in your community
0: Maya, how do people get in touch with you? So one of the things that came to mind when you were talking was, what if there was a group of parents out there that said, boy, I heard this great interview. And I think we should have her come in and talk to us talk to the parents at the school or talk to the daycare,
1: or the nursery or whatever it is. Is that something you do? And how can they get in touch with you? My website, mayasmart.com, M-A-Y-A-S-M-A-R-T.com has, each week I publish new free resources for families, and there's also a contact form and a speaking form where people can um, request to have me come out and do speeches or workshops, and I'm always looking for community partners. In some cases, there are companies or foundations that would like to purchase books, (laughs) and donate them to a parent group or an early childhood center or other touch points, a pediatrician's waiting room. So um, mayasmart.com is the best way to reach me. Thank you, Maya,
0: so much. And as always, I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Have a really great weekend. Bye-bye.